Welcome to the podcast broadcast of the Ridgecrest Baptist Church. <laughs> we do put, we have our, our services on uh, uh, iTunes now if you miss one and want to hear it or want to go back. We don't have very far back in the history yet, but we're working on it. Uh, right now we're, we're pretty happy if we can get just the current weeks up uh, before the next weeks is done. Um, it's on, you can go to iTunes and search Ridgecrest Baptist Church, or you can go to the church website, scroll down to the weekly pop message podcast button, and about three clicks later, you'll be able to listen to it. Uh, I know we have some folks that, that uh, have moved from here that listen to it, and I don't know if anybody else listens to it or not. I don't have a tracker on it to see how many hits it gets, but... Um, uh, as as we go through and, and get better at technology, we'll try to put more things on there. Maybe someday even put video on. But for now, we do have the audio of uh, our sermons there. So if you're interested, you can listen to those or, or tell others that they're there. Um, our message this morning is something that just kind of came to me as, as virtually all my messages do. I don't really think about it. They just happen. We are real close to the one-year anniversary of Superstorm Sandy. I don't know, I didn't do the research well enough to know if we passed that one-year anniversary or it's coming up, but we're real close to it somewhere in this general vicinity. If you've forgotten, it was a huge hurricane that blew in, went up the east coast, and as it got toward the north uh, eastern seaboard, met with a massive cold front from Canada and turned into a hurra blizzard. Uh, and in addition to the winds and high seas, it brought with it lots of snow. And um, it left hundreds of thousands of people without electricity, tens of thousands of people homeless. Um, it was by lots of cases, they, it's been called the, the perfect storm, the super storm. Um, just a glorious period of time there for folks on the, along the Atlantic coastline. And they're still uh, recovering from it today. There's still folks that are homeless. There's still businesses that are shuttered. Um, there's still lots of people who have, have not yet recovered from that. Um, perfect timing, perfect storm. Uh, and it just kind of brought to me a, a message, that, that an idea that we need to remember today. We need to remember uh, that we all know about storms. Storms are a fact of life in life here on this earth. First weekend of January 2006, my father suffered a major stroke while he and my stepmother were living in Naples, Florida. This was about four months after Lisa and Allison and I had lost our house in a fire, lost everything we owned. Remind me not to ever say, I wonder what else could go wrong because you'll find out when you ask that question. So relatively soon, I remember it was the first weekend of January because I was at All District Band. I think it was a Thursday. We had just started All District Band rehearsals that Thursday night. I was in Madisonville. I got a call from my sister. Um, pretty quickly thereafter, my, my sister, my two brothers, and I were on an airplane. We're flying to Naples. And, and um, if you've ever been to Naples, it's a beautiful little retirement community, but they don't have a real big airport. So we're flying into the Naples International Airport, Hair Care and Tire Emporium, and uh, get there on Friday, so it was Thursday, it was Friday night when we got there. Um, we spent the weekend there. Dad had uh, 
first round of surgery, and we flew out on Tuesday. When we left, um, we had to fly to Atlanta for a short layover before we then hopped on up to Nashville. We spent more time in layovers than we actually spent in the air to get from Naples back to Nashville. But almost immediately after we took off from Naples, we were in some pretty severe storms. We weren't in the biggest of airplanes, but we weren't in the little tiny ones either. It was, I think it was a 737 or something, just kind of average-sized commuter jet. Uh, and I had a window seat, and it, this is basically what the view out the window looked like. It was just white. We were in thick clouds, couldn't see anything. And I hate that because I like looking out and looking down as, when you can. So we start the descent down into Atlanta. And as we're coming down, it was rough, buffeted a little bit. I'd flown enough that I was not real nervous. I had a good grip on the handles, but I wasn't panicking or anything. So we're coming down, and I look out there. I'm still looking out the window, kind of digging on things. And we hit a, an opening in the clouds, and right there, like right there, is another airplane. And it scared me to death. And it was probably two miles away. I don't know. But it looked like it was you could reach out and touch it how close it was in that storm. And it, it made me wonder how long we had had that traveling companion along with us and whether anybody else knew it was out there but me and whether anybody was concerned about that fact. And that is kind of the basis for where we are now. Mark chapter 4 starting in verse 35, and I think this was, is scripture that we're all familiar with, says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There came also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all of the blessings that you give us. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to, to gather here in your house today. Lord, we pray that the, the message that you would have all of us here will, will come through me, that I will move out of the way and just be your vessel, Lord. We pray that you open our hearts and our minds to hear that message. Lord, and we pray for the courage to, to do whatever it is that we need to do with it, Father. Um, we ask that your word bring comfort where needed, peace where needed. And we thank you for, for sending Jesus to save us, Father. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. I go back in the Old Testament. Joshua chapter 1 verse 5 says, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's pretty clear. Pretty solid promise, pretty clear. Doesn't really leave any room for, for gray area. 
I will never leave you nor forsake you. But I wonder sometimes if we really believe that. Uh, I wonder if that's really something that we hold on to. Um, God's always with us. He's always there for us. I wish I'd quit hitting that. He's always there for us, even through the storms of life. It never says that God would remove the storms from life. Just that God would be with us. God never said the word from. God said the word through. I will get you through the storms, not I will keep you from the storms. I think sometimes even God himself sends the storms. I don't believe it's always the case, but I think sometimes he does. Uh, I think why would he do that? The question, why would God purposefully send storms? I think it is to, to remind us of this very fact, of the promise that he made. I think it is to remind us, as the old song says, the God of the mountain is still the God of the valley. And we need to remember that. We need to hold on to that. God is... God is, is with us. He is the Lord of the storms, not the storm that somebody else is in when we look at them and go, oh, bless their heart. Not the Lord of the storm that we went through 10 years ago. He's the Lord of the storm that we're in right now. And I propose to you that sometimes we have passages of time where we go through major storms because when we're not in one we forget that it's God's grace that keeps us from it and we tend to rely on ourselves we pat ourselves on the back when things are going good so I think there's three things that God uses to test us and to offer us when he sends a storm such as this the first aspect of, of what God's teaching us is the storm itself uh, when you go back to the passage in Mark, the first time I read through it and I was supposed to be reading it, I, I didn't really get it. I had to do a little deeper research into this to see what the point was. Um, the men that Jesus called to serve him and the men that were in the boat with him, most of them were fishermen. Most of them had years of experience in boats on the seas, they had experienced storms before. This wasn't their first time being in a boat with a storm, which tells me it had to have been a pretty tremendous storm for them to be that frightened and that concerned. A, a well-trained seaman is not going to get excited over a little waves and wind. It's got to be something serious. You know, life is like that for us. The disciples were doing what they were told. Jesus said, let's get in the boat, let's go over there. Then he went and laid down to take a nap. So they're doing what they're told. They're in the boat, we're going over there. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it seems, from nowhere, a huge whirlwind or tropical storm just appears out of nowhere. Now think about your own life. I know when I think about my life, how many times have we been doing what we're supposed to be doing as best we know how, cruising along, and then all of a sudden we get hammered with a storm that even Ron Rhodes didn't tell you anything about. Here sits a family of perfect not to point anybody out, but we have examples everywhere we look. 
of that happens. So the disciples are terrified. They think the boat is going to sink. In fact, they don't just think the boat's going to sink. They're certain the boat's going to sink. This boat's going to sink, and we're going to die. Maybe the boat was too little for the number of people that was on it. Maybe it was overloaded with stuff. Maybe it was an old rickety boat that was leaking to begin with and just wasn't seaworthy to get through. You know, it doesn't matter. The point was they were convinced that it was over. They're done, you know. And that happens in my life all the time. You know, all of a sudden, I'm in control, I'm in control, and now I'm not. And it, we tend to go from zero to 100 when, when things like that happen. You know, our first initial reaction is whatever the worst case scenario is, that's what's going to happen. It, it, all the time. That's where, we, that's where we go to. That's the storm. That's how God gets our attention. I believe that that's the first lesson. That's the first thing that we have to do. The storm is what God uses to get us to pay attention. The harder it is to get us to pay attention, the bigger the storm. People like me, who are extremely hard-headed, we need hurricanes. Just like that. Those of you that are a little wiser, a little smarter, you might get by with just a little thunderstorm. For me, it's got to be a hurricane. It brings us to the second part of the test and of the lesson that God is teaching us through the storm. There's, it's a test of our faith. I think that Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen, and I think it was a test of the faith of the disciples. Think about this for a minute. Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat, horrible storm raging out on the sea, and what are the disciples doing? They're trying to save themselves. They are doing their dead-level best to save themselves in this storm. And Jesus is asleep. Jesus. Right there. How many times do we do that? How many times do we try to save ourselves? How many, how many miracles had the disciples seen at this point? And I'm not asking that as a rhetorical question because I haven't done the research to know what the answer is. I'm sure there's a specific number. But, I mean, let's face it. At this point, they have seen people healed. They have seen probably at one point at least one person brought back from the dead. They've seen thousands of people fed with five loaves and two fishes. At this point, what did they need for evidence that the person that was asleep in the boat was who he said he was and who was special. Did they go wake him up when the wind started blowing and the waves started kind of getting high? No, they just kept on rowing or rigging the jib sail or whatever it is you do in a boat on the sea. And then all of a sudden, it'd be like us flying in that plane. We look out and we see Something and Jesus is sleeping in the seat beside us, and instead of waking Jesus up and saying, "Hey, we're we got a problem," we're going to flap, try to make the plane fly ourselves. We try to def we try to depend on ourselves when really 
we should put our faith in the one who has already saved us. And it's human nature. We want to depend on ourselves. And oftentimes we just don't turn to God. We don't turn to Jesus until we don't have anywhere else to turn. I think we could probably save ourselves a whole lot of heartache if we would break that habit. Do we call upon the name of the Lord when the storm first starts brewing? Or do we wait until the hurricane is full force? That's the test of the storm. God gets our attention with the storm. And then tests our faith. Tests our inner resolve to see what we are going to do. And in most, well, I can't say most, I have to say all of the cases in my life and in my experience. No matter how bad the storm, I try to rely on my own abilities and experiences until I can't any longer. And then I have to turn to God in whatever situation it may be. And that's the third lesson, God's promise. The disciples finally wake Jesus. And what do they say? Hey, Jesus, sorry to bother you, but... uh..." No, they say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Really? At this point you would think they would know the answer to that question, too. But in that human nature, isn't that the way we are? God, don't you remember me? Don't you care about me, God? God, if you really cared about me, if you really loved me, you wouldn't let this happen to me. Anybody ever said that? Or is it just me? I think that's probably a pretty common statement for all of us. Last time we we talked, last couple of times I talked with you, talked about sheep and shepherds. John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. When the wolf attacks the flock, It scatters. So when we encounter a storm in life and we say to God, how could you let this happen to me, God? Or, God, if you really loved me, you wouldn't be letting this happen to me. You know, what are we really saying? What are we really saying behind those words? We're saying, God, my faith is weak and I'm afraid. And despite the fact, God, that you've always proven your promises and proven you're trustworthy, this has happened to me again, and God, I I don't believe you again. God, I'm afraid you won't do what you said you would do. I think that happens to us all the time. I think we do that on a regular basis. I know I do. If I'm the only one that does it, I, I forgive me for making you sit here and listen to this message, but I think as a, as a student of human nature, I think we do that a lot. God, I don't trust you to do what you said you would do. 
Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 32, Paul says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? So how do we answer that question? What it comes down to is what do we really believe? Now some people, some preachers on TV and other folks would have you believe that that verse of scripture means that they're talking about material things. But I don't believe that. I believe what he's talking about in that verse of scripture is the promises and the things that he's already given to us in his word. That he will see us through the storm. That he will never forsake us. That he is always with us. And that if we accept Christ as our Savior and believe in him and be born again, washed in the blood, we will go to live forever in heaven with him. I don't know anywhere in the Bible where it says life is going to be perfect all the time. In fact, it even, I think, Ralph says, you will encounter storms. So what do we believe? And what do we do with it? What do we do with what we believe? If we say we believe that God is is true to his promises, and we really do believe that in our heart, how do we make the connection in our lives? We have that, it's again human nature sometimes that we, we sometimes become paralyzed because we don't make that connection. You can be trained in CPR and first aid, but if you've never used it before, the, the, when you're faced with an opportunity where you need to, sometimes you may freeze, you may panic. You may have a disconnect between what you know and the situation that you're in. And sometimes it takes a storm to jolt us out of that paralysis and and help us to function. I think that's where we were in this story. I think that's where the disciples were at this point on the boat. They were paralyzed. Jesus not only had, they not only had the promise of Christ, they had Jesus there with them and they were paralyzed by fear to the point where they didn't call on him until it was almost too late. Jesus was sleeping peacefully in the boat. What did the disciples think that meant? That he didn't care. It's easy to stand here for us and say, I'm not going to panic till I see Jesus wake up and start panicking. Because we know how the story ends. We know the end of the scripture where he finally did wake up and said, peace be still. They didn't know the end of the story. They thought that Jesus is asleep in the boat there and we're going to die, but he's not going to die. So he just doesn't care about us. He's not doing anything to save us. It's a whole lot harder to say, I believe and I trust when you're in the eye of the storm than it is when you're standing on the outside looking in. And don't get me wrong, I'm not standing here trying to pass judgment on anybody, the disciples or anyone else, for decisions they've made. It's just easy to stand here and go, well, he was right there, why didn't they just go? You never know. Until you're in the boat and the hurricane's laying down on top of you, you never know what you're going to do. We just try to learn these lessons and put them in our... Our hearts so that 
we remember part three, God's promise. And the disciples finally woke him. The first thing he did was calm the storm. He didn't wake up and go, hey, what are you talking about? I mean, what? He just, he woke up and he said, peace, be still, calm the storms. And then when he had their attention again, he said, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Well, I guess they probably had to say at that point, no, not really. And I think we get in that situation quite a bit too. You know, we, we tend to not celebrate and, and be thankful and rejoice when things are going great. We tend to put God kind of on the back burner when life is going good. And then the moment that something goes wrong, then we, get, we hit the panic button again. You know, we get a new ache or a pain, and before we can even get to the doctor to get it checked out, we've got on the Internet, and we've looked up things, and we've decided that we have quadruple pneumonia and Bell's palsy and Legionnaire's disease, all because we woke up with a stiff neck. We don't put our faith where we know it should be. It's human nature. Something that we need to fix, we need to ask God to fix. And I'm number one. The promise that God gives us today is to get us to the other side. The beginning of that passage, he said, let us go to the other side. He didn't say, let's go try to get to the other side. Let's get in this boat and see if we can get to the other side. I sure would like to get over there if we can. Let us go. To the other side. That's God's promise. God said he will get us through the storm. Not that he will keep us from the storm. But that he will get us through. If we will put our trust in him. Back in, in Romans in verse 39. Paul said neither height nor depth. Nor anything else in all creation. Will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is with us. He says he is. He proves it to us. Simply by the fact the sun comes up every morning. The leaves change colors. Things happen on a regular basis. For which there is no other explanation. Other than the fact that we are created by and loved and cared for by God Almighty. As a male human being, letting go of control is the hardest thing to do. Uh, I am the world's worst passenger. I do not ride well with other people. When we first moved here and, and we first became the band directors, we took the band to Murfreesboro to see a, a drum corps show. And we um, I didn't know many people here, didn't know businesses and, and such. So I, I let the uh, band boosters take care of making the arrangements to get us down there. We're taking charter buses. And we hired a couple of charter buses from a company here in town that shall remain nameless. And uh, it was a great trip on the way down. It was beautiful weather. We got down there. We had, uh, had a fine time at Murfreesboro. I saw the drum corps show. And on the way back, 
<coughs> it's about two and a half hours, roughly, trip from Murfreesboro here. And it was about midnight when we left Murfreesboro. We were looking at about a 2.30 arrival. Um, and not much longer had we gotten out on the interstate than our bus driver hit that rumble strip on the, on the right edge. And um, I was kind of asleep when it happened. And that was the end of that. Uh, the third time he hit that rumble strip, I got up and walked up uh, beside him, walked down in the pit there with him so that I could talk to him for the rest of the trip home. Uh, I'm not a good passenger. I was especially not a good passenger when I was concerned that we might not make it back uh, along with the 50-some-odd children and adults that were in my care while we were along there with me. Um, the most frightening experience that I have had as a professional taking people up and down the road because I didn't have any control. I had given away my control when we signed the contract with that company and they said, we will provide you with a bus and a driver. Now, I have CDLs, Class Bs, I can drive a bus. I could have driven that bus. And I thought about <clears throat> forcefully removing him from the driver's seat and letting me drive that bus. But then I would have gone to jail. I could have been in control had I been driving the bus. But I had to let go. I had to give up that control and give it to somebody else. And it scared me to death, but it also taught me a very valuable lesson over what you do and do not ultimately have control over. And what we ultimately do not have control over is the storm. The storm is going to come. Sometimes God sends it because he needs our attention. Most of the time, it just comes. Sometimes it's Satan trying to stop us from doing something that we're doing. Most of the time, the storm just comes. God is always in control. Not us. We can't control the storm. But God can. He promised us that he would never leave us, that he would never forsake us. To seal that deal, he sent Jesus to live on earth, to die for our sins, and he resurrected him to pave the way for us to go to heaven too. He made the promise. He sent the example. He sealed the deal. What we have to do is get over wishing that we could live a life without the storm and remember that we have a God who will take us through the storm. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. Father, we thank you for all of the many blessings of life that you give us, Lord. Father, we ask that uh, if there be anyone here today for whom the storm is brewing, or maybe the storm is raging, Father, we would ask that you would bring peace to their hearts. Father, if there's burdens that they need to bring and, and leave at the altar, Lord, we would ask that this would be the day that you would, you would encourage them to come and, and lighten their load. Father, we, we thank you so much for the promise that 
you will go through the storms with us, that you will carry us through the storms when need be. And Father, we uh, are just so grateful that even when we forget that promise, that you don't and that you're still there with us. Lord, we lift up all of those that are sick, that are on our prayer list, those that have been mentioned, the unspoken prayer request. Lord, you know each heart. Father, we ask that you would not only do your will as, as it would be, but Father, that you would make that obvious in all the minds and all the hearts. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And we thank you for the promise of everlasting life that brings. And it is through him and in his name that we ask all of these things. Amen.